The first lesson comes from Exodus chapter 32, beginning at the first verse. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up! Make us gods who will go before us. And as for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, Take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were on their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation. Excuse me. (laughs) He made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down, for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, in order that I may make a great nation of you. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should Egyptians say, with evil intent did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven And all this land that I have promised, I will give to your offspring, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing upon his people. Then Moses turned and went down from the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand. Tablets that were written on both sides, on the front and the back they were written, The tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God, engraved on the tablets. Here ends the lesson. So as we enter into the text today in in Exodus chapter 32 and and hear how the people responded while God uh, was giving his word of covenant 
and instructions of the covenant for his people, uh, the people were down below playing. So it's appropriate then, and I'll talk more about that word play in just a minute, that uh, we talk about the, the rules for the playing field. It's not uh, unusual when I talk about the Ten Commandments to talk about them with uh, kids in particular to say, you know, you need rules to be able to play the game, right? After all, if you're on the playing field and uh, both teams are playing by their own rules, chaos ensues, right? Now, chaos can be fun sometimes, right? But... You don't really get anywhere. More importantly, you don't really relate to anyone else on the field except for what you want to do. Imagine now, it's not just chaos that these commands prevent. It's about relationship. Notice that when there are rules, immediately those same players are now relating to one another. And so what God is giving us here in the gift of these commands, His goal is relationship. Relationship that will ultimately only be completed and fulfilled by God Himself. But oh, how quickly... On that playing field, do we go about our own business, right? Make up our own rules and go our own way. We hear that in Exodus 32 so clearly today. They were just doing what was popular. I mean, Moses had been on the mountain at least 30 days, maybe 40. At this point, where is he? Is he coming back? I don't know. Let's do our own thing. Okay. As I'll talk about excuses later, I love how in another text, Aaron's like, I don't know where that calf came from. It just came out of the fire, Moses, you know? They were really ready and able to do their own thing. In fact, we're really quick to make our own idols, you and I not just the Israelites of old. We're quick to put things above the one true God and we're quick to make them at any given moment. Martin Luther says in talking about the first commandment, he says, that to which your heart clings and and trusts itself is, I say, really your God. And would you believe that as we heard in this text, even after only some 60 days after having crossed the Red Sea, The Israelites believed that it wasn't the one true God that saved them. They even say it was this calf that they'd formed. This is the God that saves you. Now these words, these Ten Commandments, you'll see listed, numbered differently. I talk about this with the confirmants quite a bit, not to get confused by the numbering. The Jewish numbering is different than the Protestant numbering. The Protestant numbering is different than the Roman Catholic and Lutheran numbering. But the words are all still the same. You you can't find the phrase in the Bible, uh, the Ten Commandments, 
right? But you will find the, the word, as scholar Chad Berta pointed out, the devarim, the, the ten words. He is the one true God, these ten words tell us. We're to hallow his name, we pray, not take his name in vain. We're to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. We're to honor our parents and not commit adultery, not murder, not steal, not bear false witness, not covet. And all of these rules and guidelines and establishment of the covenant point back to relationship. And our relationship with others point back to our relationship with God. How we relate to others point back to our relationship to how we relate to God. Terence Frentheim, the scholar, tells us that what was really going on in that party down below in the valley is that the people had violated the established relationship. And so I ask you this morning, how is your relationship with God today? Have you read the Ten Commandments, the Ten Words, giving you guidelines for that relationship with God and with humanity? Do your relationships with others reflect your love of Christ? Martin Luther will go so far as to say that apart from the Ten Commandments, no deed, no conduct can be good or pleasing to God. This is the guy who wants to also remind us that we are saved by grace. It's about relationship. That's why God gives us these ten words. Theologians, we call them the the two uses of the law. But really what they do is they tell us how to live. And when we quickly realize that we're not living like that, who we need, Jesus. This passage, after all these words of the Ten Commandments, are introduced earlier in Exodus with words of grace. The God who rescued you out of the land of Egypt. And now we hear in chapter 32, it concludes with grace. What do I mean? Well, after they'd been impatient for these 40 days of waiting and the the party ensued, right? Down below, and I really do mean a party, that word... Uh, that you saw in verse 6, sometimes translated as reverie, has a kind of sexual undertone in Hebrew. And they were really partying it up, all right? When Moses came down the mountain. And as they were partying up, and God said that, I cannot be among them in this kind of disobedience. What did Moses do? He reminded God. It's not that he changed God's mind as much as he reminded God of who he is. And so God, 
once again extended grace to his people even then by remaining there, being present there. One church father quoted by a scholar, this church father Ephraim the Syrian, wisely commented that the absence of Moses simply gave the Israelites the opportunity to worship openly what they'd been worshiping in their hearts. So not only does Exodus 32 give us a picture of God's heart for justice and mercy, it gives us a picture of our own heart on how quickly we are ready to go off on our own. We want to control the terms. We want to control the relationship. We want to be God. One of the ways that uh, we try to do that is by excusing ourselves. You already heard about how Aaron did that, right? But we're really creative about it when it comes to the Ten Commandments. But we come up with all kinds of excuses or or cover-ups. Like, oh, you know, murder, at least I don't have to worry about that one. I didn't do that one. Right up until the point that, uh, that Jesus reminds us that if you hate someone in your heart, you've broken this commandment. So that Facebook post proclaiming your hate and hatred for your political enemy is committing this heinous sin of murder in your heart. Or, well, adultery. I'm faithful to my spouse. I mean, the, the porn addiction doesn't count, right? Or does it? When you lust in your heart, you commit adultery, Jesus says. Are we good at making excuses Right? Oh, I don't steal. Okay, at least I don't steal, right? But ripping that MP3 file from the YouTube uh, page, that's not really stealing, isn't it? They, they've got lots of copies of this after all. Right up until the uh, musician doesn't get their pay for that song because you've ripped it. We find all kinds of excuses and we try to hide our sin. Or we try to point out that, that, well, that that person over there, much worse than I. It just doesn't fly with God. He can't be in our midst, he tells us. That's what Edmund Clowney says when God says he's among us. A better translation of that Hebrew is in our midst. And what did, what did Moses cry for? For God to be in their midst. Because what's it about? It's about relationship. And our sin separates us from God. But God relented because His heart, His one ambition is to bring redemption. Covering it up won't do it. I, I have this picture of a neighbor kid growing up, he wanted to let off some firecrackers. But I don't know what he was thinking. Maybe he wanted to keep it covered up. So he decided that it was a good idea to let them off where no one would see him inside the woodshed, attached to the house, underneath the carport. Do you see where this is going? 
We all got a show when sadly that house was up in flames. That's how it is with our lives when we try to cover up our sin. Before you know it, our lives are up in flames as well. And we try to ignore the obvious. Like One preacher noted in thinking about Exodus 32 is that we're really quick to go, man, God was really harsh with His people there. And let's talk about that. Instead of talking about Once again, our own propensity to make idols and to real quickly return to what is popular and what we know and to try and be in control. Friends, we're shaped by the Word of God. These ten words shape our relationship with Him and our relationship with the world around us. That's where our identity comes from. We're not free to say, like it is popular today, like one scholar put it, well, I like to think of God as and then invent a deity of our own design. We're not free to do that. That's like making up your own golden calf, but with fancier modern words. Luther calls all these idols, however we make them, whatever we put before us and God, as empty nothing. And when we use those idols, the playing field is chaotic. And eventually, even before we even realize it, our life does go up in flames. And what do we do about it? What do we need? We need God in our midst. We need that relationship. Outside of God's design, He will not be present. He will not tabernacle with us. He will not be with us. But Moses pleaded, identifying God's heart. And God's heart is most revealed to us in the coming of Christ Jesus our Lord. The same words in John 1, God was among us, the Word was among us, and dwelt among us, is in our midst. Jesus comes to be in our midst to redeem us. Once we've been read by this word and realize we need Him. Do you see how these commands, these ten words, give us a beautiful picture? A beautiful picture of what the relationship with God is like? And imagine relationship with other humans is like, what a beautiful picture of human flourishing when we treat others like the Ten Commandments show us to treat others. I challenge you and invite you this week to read these words of life. You can find them in Exodus 20. I was reminded uh, this week of what it means to walk in them I was in a Zoom conference with a scholar, Dr. Christian Smith, one of the leading researchers on the state of faith and how to pass it on. And he alluded to something that other scholars have identified for years about how to pass on the faith. Vibrant faith, uh, formerly known as the Youth and Family Institute, uh, in our own Lutheran tradition, 
call it the four keys, but really you can see it. The research is even older than that. Read Deuteronomy 6. But these four keys for passing on the faith to walk in this covenant way is described like this. The first is, what I'll talk about is devotions, to be in God's word. In relationship to the commandments, that's to have no other gods, to listen first to the one true God. The next is, as you live into this word and hear how to live and who we need, to have caring conversations about them and about our life together. If you're sharing these commandments by shaking your finger with your family or your friends, then I'm telling you right now, you're breaking the command to take the Lord's name in vain. Because it's an invitation to be in relationship and love the Lord our God. And to love our neighbors in all of these ways of life. And then the third invitation to walk in them is to serve and share the good news of the gospel, service and evangelism, to love our neighbor by serving them and sharing the good news of the gospel. This is interesting, isn't it? That after the first three commands, as we number them as Lutherans, the rest are how to relate with others for the glory of God. And then finally, the fourth practice of these four keys is rituals and traditions. We hear that in the commands, don't we? To practice the Sabbath day and keep it holy. To remember the Lord our God every day. We need to be reminded. Exodus 32 and the golden calf story remind us of how much we need to be reminded. Friends, you can keep trying to do it your way but then God won't be in your midst. You can keep trying to cover up your sin, but eventually it will set your house on fire. You can keep trying to excuse yourself instead of coming to the one who took on that curse for us, but your excuses will never work. But the gift of grace that Jesus gives is the only way to life. God introduced these words with grace. He concluded them with grace. And He finished them by being the Word that would dwell among us in our midst to bring us new life. So read these words. Receive and repent and be redeemed. Come to these ten words. Come to Jesus. And invite God to do what He has come to complete in Christ. To be in your midst. Amen.